Previously on Missing Richard Simmons. He's allowed to go away. He wants to go away. He wants to live his Marlena Dietrich fantasy. I want to be alone. Goodbye, girl. Do you think I should try to find Richard? I wish you could. I just needed help. Like, I couldn't quit eating, and I was working out just the same. But... Like, everything. It's, like, but it's, it's not what he's like on TV. He's even more hilarious, actually. Is Richard here? Not even five minutes? I'm frustrated. The dude's in there. The maid won't let me talk to him. I mean, it's an interesting story, you know, to buy your housekeeper at Mercedes, but it didn't surprise me. Who called the police? Uh, it is a long story. Um... <laughs> it's all a long story, man. Tom Hi, I'm looking for Tom Esty. This is he. Oh, hey, Tom, this is uh, Dan Taberski calling. I'm up doing a project on Richard Simmons. Okay. You still represent him, right? Mm-hmm, for 25 years. That is Richard's publicist. He has a cold. Well, he's not doing any, any interviews. Oh, okay. Um, you don't think there's any way I could talk him mm-hmm. into participating? Nope. <laughs> no. Oh. Um, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but assume that it was. It's not going to happen. Uh, this is Missing Richard Simmons. I'm Dan Taberski, and this is episode three. The Maid and the Masseuse. Before we begin, I want to clear something up first. I've heard a similar comment from several different people. And basically, it's this. What are you talking about? Richard's fine. I just saw that picture he posted on Facebook of himself eating a banana or whatever. Well, I'm sorry to report, as far as social media goes, it's fake. All fake. Well, not really fake, but just old. For example... That Happy New Year video message from Richard on Facebook where he dressed like Lady Catherine Lucy, the Duchess of Kent. The entire royal family. That was recycled from two years earlier. We are very, very, very rich. And last month's recipe for Chinatown nutty noodles. And that again will give it that rich sort of an Asian flavor. And you That's from 2011. Whoever's managing his social media is repeating tweets. And here's the clincher. Last March... Richard tweeted something about Barbara Streisand with the wrong spelling of Barbara. That ain't Richard. No way, no how. I do suspect that every once in a while Richard squeezes in an authentic tweet, and a connoisseur can tell the difference. The major tell is in the use of ellipses. You know, dot, dot, dot. Only Richard does like 15 dots in a row. It's not a Richard tweet if at least half the characters aren't used up with punctuation. His emails are the same way. Anyway, I mention this not to rock your world. I say it because it makes me hopeful. That despite his retreat from the world, he wants to at least maintain the illusion of being present. I mean, if he was all out, just totally done, then he'd just shut the whole thing down, right? Social media, slimmins, the whole thing. But he didn't do that. He still got the door open. Just a crack, but it's open. In the past year, I've talked to a whole lot of people about Richard Simmons. It's not going to happen. And not just people like that. And nobody was funnier or more crazy 
And Richard was Richard. I've also talked to friends and students and mentors and historians. He wants people to enjoy what he's doing. He wants it to be fun. And he wants wait, wait, wait. He called it hoot camp? Yeah, hoot camp. <laughs> and this guy, who I will love till the day I die. Who is Richard Simmons? Richard Simmons? Maybe is uh, that guy uh, who wrote God as an illusion. But for now, forget all them. Today we're going to focus on just two people. Two people who were, in many ways, the closest people to Richard Simmons before he disappeared. And they have a couple big things in common. First, they were both on Richard's payroll. And second, they hate each other. This episode is about them. Laura, how are you? Good, how are you? We'll start with this guy. Mauro Oliveira is from Brazil. He grew up poor, in an orphanage, actually, and ultimately made his way to Los Angeles. He's an artist, among other things, which is how he says he met Richard in the first place. Richard uh, went to a gallery on La Brea, and he saw my arts, and he totally fell in love because he's very colorful and rich is all about colors. And he bought a lot of art from me, about six pieces, six large pieces, mm. including a chair that I made. Uh, it's a Mickey Mouse glove. And a Mickey Mouse glove? Yeah, I have the picture I'm going to give oh, you. Okay. And then he told me, look, I'm looking for an assistant. Would you be interested to work for me? I said, sure, no problem. And I worked for him for like a year, a whole year. Uh, you, you were never a massage therapist? And I was also a private massage therapist for Richard Simmons. Got it. Now it's probably a good time to say that Richard Simmons has never discussed his sexuality in public, and I'm not going to be doing it here. In fact, when asked about it, Richard often answers like this. I'm not good for one person. I'm good for a lot of people. And I actually think it's a pretty good answer. But as far as Moore is concerned, I just want to emphasize that in the time I spent around Richard, their relationship was bigger than just employer-employee. They were close. They hung out. My husband Jay and I went on a double date with them once. They traveled together for pleasure, not just for work, to places like London and Paris and Venice. They even went back to Brazil, where Richard would see the orphanage that Moro was raised in. Their well was contaminated, and they are on the countryside. In case you missed it, he said their well, you know, for drinking water, it was contaminated. So it was my birthday. Rich asked me, what do you want for your birthday? I said, how about you finance the well for them? So he just bought a well. He financed it well. So they were tight, for a while at least. It's that closeness that makes me lend at least some credence to the things that Moro has to say. Tell me about the last time you saw him. Um, it was 6 p.m., and I went to his house. He takes us back to May of 2014, a full three months after Richard vanished from public. He was sitting on the living room, and he was very weak physically and mentally. He was trembling. and Trembling? He, trembling, yes. He said, Mauro, I called you here because we can never see each other anymore. I'm just going to stay here. Uh, I thought it was worse. I thought it was worse was going to happen. What did you think? I thought he was suicidal. Moro says that Richard was in a bad way that day. Depression. Brought on by, among other things, the death of his dog, Hattie, which we talked about last time. He also had recently had a falling out with Moro. So uh, I said, no, 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 Richard, let's talk it over. 
Let's go upstairs. He had a massage room upstairs. So let's go upstairs. I'm going to massage you. I'm going to relax you. We're going to talk it over. And then he finally agreed to it. And he called Teresa. Teresa, Mauro is going upstairs with me. Teresa, again, is Richard's maid of 30 years. Remember her from the last episode? She's the one who shooed me away from Richard's house. She realized I was in the house. She starts screaming like a witch. No, 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 get out, get out, get out, get out. I don't want him here. Richard looked at me and said, you got to go. I said, really? Is she controlling your life now? And he said, yes. And then I had to leave. Moro left it at that. Until seven months later, when he drove by Richard's house. Guess what? For the first time in all Richard Simmons' life, there was no decoration for Christmas. Richard is a huge Christmas person. And I said, oh my God, something really bad is happening. And I emailed the GA's office to go check on him. He emailed the district attorney's office. Because during Christmas and the holidays, people are more vulnerable. And that is where TMZ comes in. There's this whole thing going on right now that Richard Simmons is being held hostage by the maid in his house. We have now spoken with the LAPD cops who went out there. So, remember the mystery person who called the cops alleging elder abuse? It was Moro. Moro, Richard's friend, ex-assistant, and former massage therapist. He called the cops. Now remember, the cops reportedly went to Richard's house to check on him, and they say he seemed fine. They also say he had a beard, which really weirds me out. But Moro is not backing down. And the thing he keeps coming back to is Teresa, the maid. She is the one who put a Richard Simmons against me. She saw me as a threat. Do you think Richard's not being taken care of by the people around him? Not at all. I don't think he is having control of his life. I think everybody else around him is controlling his problems right now. But the cops don't want to hear it. Moro, however, wants his side of the story heard. And this is where things go from concerning to, well, you tell me. So I started writing the fairy tale named King Rich and the Evil Witch. It's true. King Rich and the Evil Witch. It's on Amazon, a 50-page ebook. It starts with Once Upon a Time and Everything. Once upon a time, there was a larger-than-life, eccentric, goofy, and good-hearted prince named Rich. That's my mom's voice. She was a second-grade teacher and is the champ of storybook reading. Prince Rich was once obese himself. And, his and it took me like a whole month, and I finished the fairy tale, which uh, is... Pretty much a true story. True story on our sense of the world. Whatever I put it there is what happened. So in the book, the Richard character is King... King Rich. And Teresa is... Is Witch Boreza. Witch Boreza had her eyes on the big prize. To inherit the castle and all of the prince's fortune and possessions. So she's the witch in the story. She's the witch in the story, and she's the witch in the real life. She's a witch. Why? Nobody believes me that, but she's a witch. Why is she a witch? Uh, I don't want to go through that right now. Through what? About Teresa? About her being a witch. I can talk about the book. You mean a literal witch? Uh, in my opinion, yes. We'll get into that after the break. So let's 
let's recap. Richard's maid is a witch, and pretty much nothing matters after you call somebody a witch. So let's start with that. So how long have they been together? How long has she been working for Richard? 27 years, and of course it is a turbulent relationship. But they've been together for so long that, in my opinion, they kind of feel obligated to be with each other. Teresa, more for the money, and Richard, more for the company. And she lives there? She lives there five days a week, and she also had a condo in Hollywood, so she go to her house in for two days. Just to get away for a couple of yeah. days. Um, and trust me, she's looking forward to that. Yeah. She always believed that she is his wife, yeah. and he always, some way, in some way, treated her as his wife as well. Cruella de Vil, Cruella de... This is Richard on the TV Guide channel 10 years ago. You can thank them for the dopey music. People don't know much about your own personal life. I have none. I live with a beautiful Mexican woman for 19 years named Teresa. I have two beautiful Dalmatians. So someone asked him about his private life, and he starts talking about his housekeeper. Even his close friends admit this is a relationship they do not completely understand. You know, you could speculate forever as to, you know, how that relationship evolved. He said, that's, that's Chanel. She only wears Chanel. On his housekeeper. If you're going to be a housekeeper, you might as well be one in Chanel, right? Teresa would wake up and she'd bring the paper in and then he'd make her breakfast and coffee, which I thought was odd that he'd be making his housekeeper breakfast, but that was just the routine. I've talked to several people who all have similar versions of the following story. Friends go to check on Richard or bring him a gift or something, but they can't make it past Teresa. She sends them away. It's been like that for three years. Question is, is she just doing what Richard asked her to do? Or is she acting on her own? You must know Teresa, then. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're talking about his housekeeper. Yes, the, the only Teresa I know. Oh, my goodness. I know. This is Winifred Morris. We've heard from her before. She worked with Richard for over 15 years. And for her, Teresa was unforgettable. And when she was really young and beautiful, there was a man who really wanted to marry her somewhere overseas in Europe or somewhere. And she went away to see him. And I guess she decided that she'd come back to Richard after all. But that was it. He made sure she wasn't ever going to escape again. And she's really devoted her entire life to Richard. And he is very fortunate to have her. And I don't know what it has really been in it for her. She's a lovely person. What do you mean, what has been in it for well, her? Well, it's a... I mean, she gave up... She's devoted her main part of her life to Richard, so I trust she's happy and doing well. It's kind of incredible. It is incredible. Such loyalty. I've actually got my own insight on Teresa to offer here. That's toast. My husband Jay and I are having breakfast. All right. What can I do for you this morning? Um, you can tell me about that time you went to dinner at Richard's house. It was just like, is this real? And then uh, It was back in 2013. Teresa was there that night. Moro was too. The inside of Richard's house is very taupe. And there's a lot of tufting going on. It was definitely one of the wilder evenings we've lived through. I don't remember when he walked us through his doll collection. But Teresa stood out that night. I mean, in L.A., a lot of people have a housekeeper. But there she seemed like she was the mistress of the house. She wasn't working or helping. And then... Richard and Moro cooked for her, for all of us, and then they served. 
And then they cleaned up. And she's sitting there the and whole time. And she sat at the head of the table the whole time. She was just quiet and just waiting for this thing to be over. <laughs> By the way, so is Jay. The point is, I can't say if Teresa is or is not a witch, but she is one thing for sure. Teresa is in charge. She don't like me. She never like anybody. Teresa Revelis is a witch. And um, in my opinion, she is the one who is controlling him through witchcraft. How do you do that? Um, I never participated, but... Uh, but you know people who do? You, I saw people who do services, yeah, uh, from a distance. What they do, they light out candles, they cook special meals, they take a whole chicken, and they make like offers to the spirit to achieve what they want. You think she's killing whole chickens? No, I don't think she is doing that. I think someone with her is doing that. Oh, that she that she has. She's participating in it. Got it. Perhaps not directly. Got it. But uh, that's what I think. That's what I feel. And if she don't like me, she can sue me. Or use black magic. Um, he was uh, a little suspicious. That's reporter Andy Martino. He met Moro last year when he was trying to crack the Richard mystery for the New York Daily News. I was like, go to L.A., get the story, come home when you, when you figure it out kind of deal. Yeah, he didn't figure it out. But he did write a good piece on Richard and included some of Moro's allegations. Here's what he thought about the witchcraft thing. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What? Wait, what did you just say? Like, however I worded it, that was my vibe, you know? Yeah, yeah, And And his explanation, which I quoted in the story, was, you don't understand, this is part of our culture, this is a thing. And I'm like, okay. But I also respected, I wasn't going to bring in my... Um, any kind of cultural condescension to it either like what the hell i mean i believe in jesus that's not weirder you know so that's just like okay fine this is a thing that's how i felt right but it's pretty it's wild no question and there's a reason but here's the thing the rest of what moro said to me and to andy it just wasn't that crazy i didn't get any strong Sometimes you get a spidey sense that I got to get out of here. This person's full of shit. No, I wasn't getting that from him. I was getting these are interesting. And then all these things started checking out with Moro too. Like he like the whole thing about Richard giving money to Moro's orphanage in Brazil. You know, I just did all the things that you do. I called the organization that Moro had told me had handled the donation and they confirmed the amount that he gave and all the things. So just checking out the details that Moro told me, they, they tended to check out. Yeah. Now, of course... Uh, Richard's side after the publication was sort of in, in generic terms denying the feel of it or the tone of it, but w nobody denied any of the specific facts that Morrow put out there. So forget about the witch stuff for a second. Forget about the black magic and dead chickens and fairy tales. There's two ways to look at Morrow and why he's saying all this. Option number one, the not nice version. He's trying to cash in. He got close to fame and wealth and maybe even happiness, and it slipped away. So he published a tell-all, and then some, to try to make a little coin. In that ebook, it ain't cheap. Um, how much? It's twenty nine ninety nine. Twenty nine ninety nine. Is that a, a lot of money? Um, how is it selling? It didn't sell well. But there's another lens through which to view Moro, a kinder one. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah. Um, you know, in retrospect, I probably should have cleaned 
your side of the car. What's the difference? It came up when I was driving with Ben Harper, a hardcore Slimmons alum. Have you read King Rich and the Evil Witch? Yes, I have read that book. I spent however much it cost. You spent twenty nine ninety five. Well, of course I did. I had to. I'm probably one of the six people who bought it, but we all we all read it. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the black magic aspect of it is completely dumb. <laughs> yeah. I think we can. I think we can all. We can all, <laughs> we can all agree on that, on that one. But um, yeah, I think that there's some some truth to it. Why? I think that he knew he wasn't going to get any money from that book. I think that he would. I think that he genuinely just wants to know that Richard is okay, as we all do, and it's really hard to get to him. Um, you just can't get to him. He won't respond to anybody. Um, his people won't respond to you. It's it's very frustrating. I think that he was hoping that Richard would read it and that he would get through to him that way. And I don't know if Richard read it or not, but. Um, I think that was his intent. This makes sense to me. Granted, writing a thinly veiled fairy tale just to reach a famous person supposedly locked in his own castle is an eccentric way to get the job done, but consider the target. You gotta ask me why I am um, the only one talking and why I wanna talk. Yeah. Um, why are you the only one talking and why do you wanna talk? Uh, I come from a good place. My only hope is for Richard to get help and be a happier person because for the past three years he has not been a happy person. All the money, all the fame, all the resources, for what? He's pretty much locked in his own luxury. Um, is it possible that Richard figured, you know what, fuck it, this is too much work, I'm rich, I'm out of here and that he's off relaxing and retired and having an awesome time and traveling and doing new things and that the people around him, including you, including me, just don't want to hear it because we just wish that he had made uh, a more selfless choice. But we all know that that's not the truth. I would hope that uh, what you just said is the truth, but in my opinion, it's not. Yeah, from everything I've learned in the past few years, it's not my opinion either. As for Moro, this won't be the last time we hear from him. Or Teresa, for that matter. Although it is worth mentioning that in the end, of the fairy tale at least, Moro wrote King Rich a happy ending. The king breaks the spell and banishes the evil witch. And King Rich lived the rest of his years happily ever after as he deserved it. It's not the worst thing in the world to wish for. As for me getting to Richard and finding out what's going on, two things. First, all these people I've been talking to, I've compiled a bunch of our conversations and recorded a message to send to Richard. Hey, Richard. It's Dan Taberski. So he can hear the nice stuff people are saying about him. He stands up and pops out of it, and he's singing New York, New York to all this traffic. And he grabbed his lunchbox, and he said, that's bad for you. He's, you know, he, he was there for all the right reasons. It wasn't... You know, how they miss him and respect him. All that good stuff. Maybe it'll help convince him to talk to me. Or at least just let him know that people are still thinking about him and caring. So Richard, if you're listening to this, when you get the FedEx, just press play. It'll take 10 minutes. You'll like it, I promise. And the second thing? There's something else in Moro's fairy tale that sticks with me. Another character. 
Prince Benny woke up the king, who was looking like a mess and feeling groggy. Prince Benny, the king's good-hearted brother who swoops in and saves the day. Prince Benny said, Dicky, Dicky, you have been under a witch's spell all along. Now, call me crazy, but I'm going to take the leap and assume that Benny is a stand-in for Richard's real-life older brother, Lenny Simmons. Because his brother, he's, he's only living family, and he lives in New Orleans. And uh, in my opinion, his brother should take more control of the situation. If Richard is just barricaded in his house, then Lenny would know why. And if anyone can get me right to Richard, he can. So I'm going to New Orleans, and we're going to track him down. Next time on Missing Richard Simmons. Did you know that Richard Simmons used to live here? Fuck no. Well, I lost all that weight in two and a half months. Two and a half months? I'm starving. Yeah, water and lettuce. Richard is always a fat person trying to get out. I know some of you are living in a body that you don't want to live in anymore. From 1995, that has stuck with me the rest of my life. Can I help you? Missing Richard Simmons is a co-production of Pineapple Street Media, First Look Media, and Stitcher. We'll be back next week with another episode, or if you can't wait that long, you can hear the next one right now on Stitcher Premium. To find out more, visit missingrichardsimmons.com. Missing Richard Simmons is produced by me. I'm Dan Tabersky and Henry Malowski. Additional production, research, and fact-checking by Diane Hodson. Joel Lovell is our editor. Our music is by Andrew Dost. We also use the song Montage from the motion picture Swiss Army Man by composers Andy Hull and Robert McDowell. This episode was mixed by Whitney Jones. Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky are the executive producers at Pineapple Street. Thanks also to Barry Finkel, Ricky Nowitzki, and Josh Gwynn. Team at First Look Media is Adam Pincus, Lee Talmalad, Nick Bornstein, and Lisa Leingang. We want to hear your Richard stories. We set up a special voicemail. Call us at 402-93-SWEAT and leave a message. That's 402-937-9328. And a huge thank you again to all the folks at Slimmons and the friends of Richard who trusted me to tell this story. And remember what Richard says. Love yourself, move your body, watch your portions. <laughs>